Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. It is May 20th, 1994. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? So, a quick correction from last week. When we talked about the 90210 episode and what's his name, the most uninteresting character in the show, David, um, is that yeah, his name, yeah. was offered orange juice. They had a gram of orange juice. Mm-hmm. The drug culture got back to me on that one. Oh, did they? Apparently, they watched 90210. It's so weird. <laughs> they said orange kush, which is marijuana. Oh, okay. I... I thought they said orange juice sounded like orange juice to me. Didn't have any idea. Apparently, they measure marijuana in grams too. Didn't yeah. didn't know. I knew that. You did? Yeah. Huh? I've never bought a I've never bought any. But <laughs> if hypothetically I'd bought some, I never bought a gram. For sure. Just I assume that's a lot, right? I I guess. I don't know. How much is a dime? Well, I a tenth of a gram. Okay. Maybe so I don't enough. Picture ten dime bags. And enough, a gram. enough for a joint. <laughs> That's a dime is more than one joint. Well, what three? Two, two, yeah. three, depending. Yeah, depending on how many seeds and stems. Not anyway. <laughs> we never use records to cut seeds and stems out of marijuana. Never ever. Anyway, so. More news. <laughs> Tim McGraw is coming to the downtown hoedown. Apparently he is he's the outlaw McGraw. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's trying to rehabilitate his reputation. I, I guess. guess. I don't know. To a more romantic sound. I don't listen to country music. Right? The, the hoedown is a place we will not be. I don't like country music. <laughs> exactly. So... If you're talking about, you know, a, like, rave down in Detroit. That sounds cool. We might be there, but not not for the downtown hoedown. But that is happening. So, if you're a big fan of Tim McGraw and country music and outlaw the things, then, then head down, and you're in our area, then head down to the downtown area of Detroit and go to the hoedown. Jacqueline Kennedy died. Sad. That was a very abrupt transition. That really was. But she died. That that is sad. It's Rest almost as peace. almost as sad as country music is. <laughs> How did she die? From cancer. Aww. So yeah, she uh, was in her sixties, and yeah, she uh, she passed away. Survived by. Some of her children. And a couple of her brothers-in-law. But many of the other Kennedys have died. Much more tragic deaths. Obviously. Husband shot in the back of the head. Brother-in-law before she even married John Kennedy. So I guess she really had no emotional attachment to him. But uh, Joseph Kennedy, his, uh, his brother, Joseph Kennedy Jr., Died on a uh, bombing mission in World War Two. Brother-in-law, Robert Kennedy, obviously assassinated. And, yeah. Those Kennedys do not seem to have very good luck. No. Some sort of 
weird gypsy curse. <laughs> I only assume that, that Joe Sr. screwed some gypsy out of something <laughs> at some point when he was bootlegging or whatever. That's how they made their money, the Kennedys, I'm just saying. <laughs> bootleggers. Right. And whoremongers. There you go. But, you know, rest in peace, Jacqueline Kennedy. <laughs> what else? Not much else. Star Trek The Next Generation comes to an end. The show, it is bittersweet. That is kind of sad. You know, my mom's like huddled in a corner rocking back and forth crying. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Well, all good things, the two-hour finale will be happening. And check your local listings because I don't know where you live. If you live by us, it's on Channel 50. If if you live someplace else, it's some it's on some other channel at some other time, maybe on some other day, because it is a syndicated television program by Paramount Pictures, who own the rights to Star Trek, and it'll be wherever you know your local affiliates have negotiated it to be. Wow, that was a lot of legal crap. Yeah. So as I said, bittersweet because obviously they're ending, and the show is well liked. The, obvious, the most successful Star Trek show, obviously. The original Star Trek launched all this stuff, to be clear, but they weren't super successful. I think they only got three seasons. Yeah. And then they became more popular afterwards as movies and, and things like that. This one, obviously, much more popular. But it was starting to... They'd run out of ideas. It's yeah, been seven seasons. It's been, it's dragged on to the point where now they're just going to start repeating themselves if they, if they keep going. I don't know. To me, it seems like space. I mean, there's just a limitless amount of possibilities of things they could do with the show. Well, I mean, there are certain things that they could do with, but I think these characters have been wrong as far okay. as television, at least television wise. I think these characters have been wrung out to all the ideas that you could get to them. Now, if they went and did another season, could they have three or four episodes that were new and interesting? Sure. But there'd be a bunch of filler episodes in between of things we've seen before. I wonder if they'll do another uh, reboot then with new characters. Well, I know they're doing that the Deep Space Nine is going and that Star Trek Voyager is supposed to be coming out. Uh, soon. Wow, okay, so I've just not been paying any attention. <laughs> and the big thing about that one is the captain is supposed to be female this oh, time around. Oh, interesting. So, that will be that will be interesting. Female power. Yeah. Uh, so, now, I know they're going to start doing movies. They've got a movie that's supposed to come out later this year, and that's, so that they're transitioning to their, their movie roles now. That's where I think they'll They'll be able to maybe get some some better ideas, some newer ideas out of that. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yep. And that's basically the news this week. Not much in entertainment news. There was a review in the newspaper for the movie that we're going to review. So I'm not going to bore you with the critics' review right? when you can listen to our review so later much in this episode. I did want to do. One quick thing, though, and a new a new segment before we get into 90210. I noticed in the paper that, not that I was looking around or anything. Yeah, you better not be. But there are, the in the classified sections, there is the heart connection. 
I think that's what it's called. Something like that. Like love connection, but not. Right. So I figured we could call it massive love. Okay. This segment could be massive love. We'll just read a few to help them broadcast their their message a little farther. I, I don't know if we really want to help these people. Well, I found some interesting ones. It's funny to me. I'll just read you the first one. So the first one is the 38-year-old attractive married white male seeking attractive married white female 35 to 40 for exclusive sexual encounters. Meaning they want to have an affair, but an exclusive affair. They want to, he wants to give him, he wants to give the girl his letterman jacket so they are (laughs) exclusively in an affair outside of their marriage. Yeah, it's disgusting. I it I find it. I know they don't use names, and you have to contact them. I there. I don't. I've never filled out a classified ad before, so I'm not exactly sure how it's how it works. But on the paper, there's a na- There's a number and a letter. Basically, it's like uh, like A two or or something like that. And I assume that corresponds to some sort of confidential phone number that they've given to the paper. It's like if you. If you go to this section or whatever, they'll get you in touch with them, but they somehow you somehow don't get their number, or maybe you do get their phone number, but you have to write in. I don't know exactly how it works. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure on that either. The phone numbers aren't on there; just letters and numbers that I believe correspond to some sort of booklet. But anyway, so I know that it's there are no names that it's confidential, but it's it's odd to me that married people are confident enough. That their spouses aren't going to look at the newspaper to put this in there. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, all he said is that he's an attractive 38-year-old married male. There are lots of attractive 38-year-old married men. Not to mention his thinking that he's attractive doesn't mean he is. Are there a lot of attractive married men? I'm sure there are. How do you think they got married? I don't know. I guess you have to be attractive to get married. So, anyway. You're ridiculous. Yeah. So that's that's one. So I guess if you're if you're in the area, no, and you're a married woman, bad that no. wants to have an affair on your husband, an uh, exclusive affair. Contact this dude. I'm not giving out his information, but contact him. Uh, the other one that I thought was was pretty interesting, a real winner, was large black male. Seeking bisexual black female and her friend for summer fun. So, do you think that's a water park? Or <laughs> do you think he means going to the carnival? Maybe they want to drive down to Cedar Point. I don't know. I mean, the way that he puts it, I, obviously he wants a threesome. But the way he phrases it, I agree. It sounds like he actually wants to date them. Maybe he does. You know, maybe he wants to have a, a three-person relationship for the summer. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, you know, you need to get to know someone or someones <laughs> before you before you start a threesome with them, I guess. Makes sense, right? Sure. I mean, you want to know them a little bit. I guess. What, you think that... Do you, do, you, do you have experience in this? I mean, what the hell? Not yet. All right, then. And you're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I assume that that he wants to get to know them better. You think that the fact that he's a large black male, do you think he means 
uh, his penis is large? Or do you think he means he himself is a large man? Probably both. So I wonder if that's, is that a subset of people that are attract that women are attracted to? Large, large black guys? I, I, I don't know. I can't speak for all women. I, I'm not. Hmm. I assume that there are people that, that find that largeness attractive. I'm sure there are. Anyway, so I guess that's plums the depths of the, what did, what, what did we call this? Massive love? Yeah. Yeah, the massive love segment of Massive Life B. So anybody else feel skeevy? I feel skeevy. I don't know. We'll find some better ones next week and read them out. Maybe we'll find some actual people looking for a genuine love connection. Some actual lonely hearts. I mean, there were a bunch of those, but I just skipped over them because they weren't because <laughs> they weren't funny. <laughs> yeah, they weren't interesting. Maybe we should try to help some some people, like a twenty five year old disabled man. Ooh, I have an idea. Yeah. Why don't you guys, um, you know, put notes in our lockers if you're looking for love, and we'll read them. Yeah, there you go. Anyone that's you know, it's hard to find. It's hard to find people. It really is. If there was. If there was just a place that you could go where they served drinks <laughs> to meet people. <laughs> no, no, it is, though. It can be difficult to, to make that first move. So if you're looking for love and you want us to send a message to somebody you got a crush on, maybe somebody you want to go to the prom with, something like that, let us know. Write, write in and we will we will do your dirty work for you. Yes. Now, on to our continuing coverage of 90210. Well, this week was the season finale. I know. We're going to have to start looking for things to do in the summer. I know. It's going to be bad. The beach report. That's what we'll do. (laughs) How are the beaches? I wish we were going to beaches. Yeah, well, we will be. Um... So it was titled, Mr. Walsh Goes to Washington, because remember how last episode ended with him actually finding out he is going. Yeah, Brandon slash Brendan is going to Washington. (laughs) And um, they were doing a carnival, a Mardi Gras-themed carnival for California University. Completely wrong month. Right? It's kind of weird. Mardi Gras is French for Fat Tuesday, or Large Tuesday. Mardi is Tuesday. Gras is big what month is that in it's in like february, february. right yes yeah that's... it's the beginning of lent yeah so there's a lot you know going on at the carnival they've got like a mud pit thing a that... mardi gras like thing happens in this episode that we'll get to later. yeah it does um where steve's fraternity is working um this mud thing the keg house yeah which i didn't realize that was the name of his fraternity that's so dumb a barbaric and stupid name for a fraternity (laughs) especially one so gay friendly right um should be the chablis house and uh that that guy that actually left because they kept the gay guy in john sears yeah john john sears uh son of the founder of sears <laughs> he shows up and not not alone with steve's ex-girlfriend celeste yeah so he's really rubbing it in his face he's well she is <laughs> <laughs> she's rubbing it in john's face oh gross so anyways <laughs> well we learned that later john keeps uh what they've had sex we learned that later 
they say that? I don't remember them saying that. Yeah, I'll get to it when you get to it. All right. So John's just knocking Steve in the mud over and over and over. Yeah, it's a jousting tournament. No. Okay, that was water. He was in different booths then, because there was one where he kept dunking him in the water tank. At first, he jousts him and knocks him in the in the mud. Okay. Because their friend, the funny fat guy, I guess, <laughs> I, he didn't really have much of a character. He He's the one that kept getting picked and knocked in the mud, and... He said, Steve, I think it's your turn to do this. Right. And he said, who's going to pick me when they could pick you? And then the guy that's running it says, Steve, you're up. Yeah. And it's this, that's where we first see that it's this John guy. So the first thing he does is knock him in the mud in the jousting pit. Okay. And then later in front of Celeste, he's just knocking him over and over and over into a water tank. Yeah, the dunk tank. I mean, he's just, you know, totally enjoying uh, torturing Steve. Yeah, and the only way to... Steve is such a horrible character that the only way that we can get sympathy is from is if a total villainous bigot is his is his opponent. Right. And even then, a lot of the times I was like, yeah, yeah, Duncan. Fucking sucks. And then, you know, Donna and um, David are kind of working this thing. Yeah, and um, David's supposed to be like I'm seeing Babyface's show, and um, you know there's a lot going on there. The legendary Babyface, right? <laughs> Apparently a real person. I don't really follow um, R&B much, so or hippity hop or whatever you would classify that music as. Right. Well, it was the remember it was the center of hip hop, surrounded by white people. Right. <laughs> so. Um, I guess the second keyboardist did not show up for Babyface's uh, concert. Yeah, Babyface's concert, it melts your face so hard they need two keyboardists. And Ariel suggests that David step in. And, you know, it all works out great. And when he's done auditioning, basically, like playing with them, and they ask him to, you know, come back and play the concert, he runs over to Ariel. He does. He celebrates with her. Yeah. As Donna's just watching. Is pretty interesting. Doesn't doesn't seem quite right. Then there's uh, Steve's talking to Donna. And he sees this and he actually says to her, he's such an ass, who's that sexy vixen drooling all over David? And she just tells him to go to hell and walks away. Right. Um, unfortunately, though, and I'm, I'm just kind of going through the storylines to completion here. So um, when David's playing Babyface's concert... He takes off with Ariel afterwards. Donna's looking for him to congratulate him. Can't find him. Finds him fucking her in a limo. Yeah. He is such an ass. Yeah, and I would be more up in arms, but I don't care about either of these characters. I, I mean, I care enough that that's upsetting. I guess. I mean, they're both supposed to be virgins. How do we know that Tori Spelling saw them, though? Because it looked like she was both staring at them and looking over down the driveway. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> but And I think it's so bizarre, too, the way they handle it. Like, she's knocking on the door, and he just opens a door and lets her come in. Like It was weird, because... So, what happens is, she knocks on the limo, because they're in a limo. Right. In a line of limos. And... We go in, the camera goes inside, and we see them having sex. She's, like, on top of him in the limo. And 
he's they do that thing where that you know everyone on tv has sex with their pants still on somehow <laughs> and so he she gets off of him and well she didn't have time but she, she right. removes him <laughs> she removes herself from him and he starts put putting his pants zipping his pants back up and everything and getting his shirt on and he rolls the window down just enough to see his face which is suspicious enough anyway right and she says, hey, I just wanted to congratulate you. You know, can you open the door? It's locked. So he's like, yeah, just a minute. So he rolls the window up. They take another, I don't know, 20 seconds to pull themselves together. He and still he, doesn't have all his clothes on, though. No. Well, I, there's no time. And he opens the door and she sits down and looks over at her and the other woman. And she's all disheveled. Her hair's everywhere. Her shirt's not on correctly. And obviously she finds out, she figures, well, you would think she figures out what's going on. But then just to make it even more clear, she looks down and sees an open condom wrapper. Yeah. And now she knows what's going on. Because even though she doesn't have sex, she knows what those are for. And then, you know, at some point she, when she's yelling at him, she, you know, says, you know, we were both supposed to be virgins. That was something that made it special, whatever. And he's like, um, and she says, was this your first time? Which, which I, I pointed out, no one's first time is in a limo. Right. You need to build up those skills. And um, he, he says, no, but it was always with her or whatever. Yes. So he's been having an affair with her. Yes. Yeah, so I think he met, they met, what, last episode? Yeah. So in the whatever week it's been since that last episode, they've had sex multiple times. He is such an asshole. Well, you know, he is also a 19-year-old guy. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's understandable, I guess, that he would cheat because they're not having sex, but they made a commitment to each other. Yeah, but men do have needs. Women have needs, too, but they made a commitment to each other. She obviously doesn't. She's never had sex. But okay. yes, they made a commitment to each other, so they so he should not cheat. I agree. I mean, he should have broken up with her if he didn't want to wait for her anymore. He should have had a conversation with her. Maybe she would have had sex with him. I doubt it. She seemed pretty adamant about her. That's the she's she's the demographic of the show. Apparently, when they made this show, they said there's a small demographic, about ten percent, that want to wait to have sex till they're married. And we need to capture that 10% of the youth market. So we need to have a character who wants to stay a virgin until she's married so they can identify with her. And then the other executive said, okay, let's make it the most boring, vanilla, uninteresting character possible. And then Aaron Spelling said, I know just the person. Oh, goodness. That's so mean. So, okay, so Andrea had her baby. Yes. Start, premature. Starts out with the C-section. Um, they have a little girl and, and the dad's being kind of weird about it. Like he doesn't want to give her a name and he wants to wait. Yeah. To he make, to wants make, to make sure she's going to live. Yeah. It's so terrible. Um, she's two pounds, eight ounces. So she's very little and they wouldn't even let Andrea see her right away. Can we get real for a minute? Hmm. You were premature. Yes. How much did you weigh when you were born? One pound, 15 ounces. Son of a bitch. Yeah, that baby was nine nine ounces bigger than me. Wow. So Carol has some. I mean, obviously she doesn't remember it. Do you? Do you remember that? Of course not. But, <laughs> I didn't want to presume. <laughs> but, but she has some insight into premature babies, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, I've heard my mom talk about what she went through and stuff. And, um, like, for my mom, she didn't see me right away, but she was all messed up. Yeah. And she was convinced I was dead. And she was crying and... Because and... you didn't cry? No, because they had to knock her out when they were doing the C-section because she felt them cutting her. Oh, gosh. And um, when she woke Sounds up... Pleasant. Right. When she woke up, I'm already in the, you know, ICU. And her blood pressure was really bad, so they didn't want to, you know, move her. So she thought they just didn't want to tell her that I was dead because they didn't want her blood pressure to go up. Gotcha. So finally, you know, the nurse took pity on her and put her in a wheelchair and brought her down to see me, but... Yeah, I mean, I would be freaking out, too. Like, why won't they let her see her baby? I, I would not be happy. Because that premature... I was just going to say that premature babies can't cry yet. Right. Um, and then um, her husband doesn't want her to see the baby. Because yeah. he says the baby had a bad night and she's on a respirator now and needs a blood transfusion and all this stuff. And, I mean, I get he's trying to protect her, but he's an idiot because any woman wants to see her baby. It doesn't matter. All the little incubators in the ICU are decorated, too, with the baby's name and, and things like that. Yeah. But theirs is completely plain because he doesn't want to put anything on it. It's it's one of those situations that's actually... It's not acted very well, and it could probably be written a little bit better. But the situation is a good situation because it's one of those situations where in tv where you can see both sides yeah i see his side where he's scared he doesn't want to emotionally connect with this child because of how devastating it would be if she died and he wants to wait until till he's more sure but the thing is is that's not going to protect him and it's not going to protect her because were the baby to die it'd be devastating either way for sure whether you wanted to because that's your kid whether you wanted to try to make an emotional connection or not, I mean, like, walling his emotions off like that doesn't get rid of them. For sure. It's just he's not exhibiting them. That's all. And he, you know, finally he has a conversation with her at some point, and at least a brief conversation, mm -hmm. where he's honest about his fear, because he's trying to keep a, a strong front for her. Yeah. And that's not, you know... If you're scared, sometimes having a strong front is good, but but a lot of times just sharing your fear helps you feel better with the person that you're sharing it with. So that's what he should have done from the very beginning. So you can kind of see his point of view, but at the same time, he's not doing the right thing. So you can see the point of view against him too. Yeah. So that's the, that's why I like the situation. Um. But yeah, I mean, eventually he does kind of, kind of let her in and, and, you know, cries and stuff, and it's good. Yeah, and the baby seems to be fine. Now, I find it really odd when he first comes out, like, everybody runs to the hospital to be there when the baby's born. Even, yeah. even though, you know, she's having a C-section and they're not going to be able to see her or the baby or anything. Um, And he comes out and tells them the baby's born, and they all leave, and then he's like, but Brandon, wait, Andrea wants to see you. Why? Why him? I don't know. Apparently they have some sort of, some sort of, stronger connection than the other friends do That's weird. because later when the other thing happens well we'll get to that but someone got her permit got andrea's permission too yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to oh, it oh yeah okay but i don't want to ruin it yet for anyone that hasn't seen it although if you haven't seen it i don't i don't know why you're this is just your cliff notes i don't what is wrong with you 
I don't understand. <laughs> if you haven't seen the episode, I don't know why you're listening to this. Right. You're a madman. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, I remember Andrea sending Jesse off um, with Steve, which I'm sorry, but yeah, he's not going to help him. Bad idea. And um, she's hanging out with Kelly, right? Sure. It was Kelly that was there with her. And, um, yeah. It, anyways, she's talking about, you know, I'm not going home without my baby. Like, they're so naive and young and stupid. Premature babies are going to be in the hospital at least a couple months. Yep. There's no way. But whatever. They get there. They get there eventually. And the baby's going to be fine. But there's this one moment where, like, the alarms are going off. And oh, yeah. you're not sure um, if it's their baby or somebody else's baby that's coding. And it's somebody else's. Yeah. And, uh... We assume that baby dies. Right. And, and they're like... Even... <laughs> Actually, I think the baby was fine. Because it was still... There was still a baby in that incubator uh, when... The, in the final scene, when they were looking at their, their child and putting on the decorations for the incubator. Mm-hmm. So, I assume that baby ended up being okay. Okay. Um, so... Anyways, they look at each other and they're like, I can't help but feel bad because, you know, I'm just relieved it's not our baby. I think that's right. normal, though. It's not uh, like they I want agree. the other baby to die. Right. I agree. Okay, so um, with so that's how their story kind of wraps up is that their baby's okay and they kind of deal with the motions and they're getting closer and stuff. So that's good. Yep. All right. So now we've got Dylan and Kevin and Erica, you know, his little sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you want to do this before we finish Steve's store, Steve's plotline? Or did we finish Steve's plotline? We finished Steve's plotline. Okay, well, we didn't get we didn't, we didn't didn't get a resolution to it in any way. Okay, well, you, you go ahead and take that one, then, because that's where my recollection of Steve ends. Well, I don't blame you, but... <laughs> so, so this guy's just basically on his ass the, oh, entire, yeah. the entire time. I remember now. And... He tries to tell Celeste that the guy she's with is a real slime ball, and she just kind of looks at him. And he said he said to him at one point, "This is where we find out they've had sex." He said to him at one point, "What do you? you I know what you're doing. You're just dating Celeste to get back to me." He goes, "No, I'm dating Celeste because she's good in the sack." Oh yeah. And he's like, "I'm doing all this to get back." <laughs> and so. At the end, he says, look, let's let's joust one more time, and if I win, you stay away from Celeste. And John says, and if I win, you leave Keg House forever. So that's the stakes. Those are some pretty high stakes, too. Like, he must really love Celeste. I guess. It's also funny that Celeste is basically just a prize to be won. True. Instead of just instead of Steve just saying, "Hey, this guy hates gays," and left the fraternity because a gay was allowed to stay in, so you know, have that information in case you need it. Instead of that, he's playing a game to find out if she stays with this guy or not. Right. Anyway, so Kelly and Brenda actually do talk to Celeste, although it's all off screen. Yeah. They, they basically they just say, "Do you want to know what the real John Sanders is like?" Sears. Sears, whatever. And yeah, Steve's last name Sanders. Yeah. And she said, "Well, what do you mean?" And then they cut. You know, so we don't, we so we don't have to hear all of his uh, past sins and his gay bashing nature. But 
they they all watch they come the three women come to see the jousting match and Celeste is like how long has this been going on oh about 10 minutes which they luckily cut because 10 minutes of two guys with giant q-tips right <laughs> just bashing each other in the middle of the q-tip and yeah for 10 minutes wouldn't have been that interesting no but in true mardi gras fashion <laughs> she celeste says how shy are you two girls the virgin and then the actress so i guess brenda's probably not that shy right. but what they do is they they say hey john and they they rip their shirts open and flash him they're they're all wearing bras but they yeah. they flash him he looks over it they they could have shot this more comically, I suppose. I guess it's good they didn't, but that could have been the whole, whoa, kind of take. And Steve hits him and knocks him off, so I, he has to stop seeing Celeste. Although, at this point, I'm pretty sure Celeste is dumping him. Yeah, seems that way. And that's sort of the resolution to his storyline. He doesn't get together with Celeste or anything like that. We don't see that. He doesn't, you know, fuck her in a limo. But <laughs> no. But that's uh, that's what that's how that ends. Okay, so that's Steve's. I guess even more interesting than normal story. I don't know why I didn't pay any attention to him. Um, I guess it's slightly interesting. <laughs> Steve's just uh, David and the other one, the girl he's dating, Tori Spelling. Uh-huh. I can never remember Donna. Her. Donna. They're they're the boring ones. Yeah, except for this episode. Again, I guess. I mean, it was slightly interesting. More interesting than what they normally do. Right. I mean, it is the season finale. It was a two-hour episode. They had yeah. to do some stuff. So um, Dylan and Kevin are meeting with investors to try to get funding for Kevin's idea. Right. And, you know, Brandon and Brenda's dad, Jim, set up everything for him. And then the next day is when Kevin's supposed to be marrying Erica's mom. Right. And so they do the whole wedding thing and nobody can get a hold of him and um everybody's like well you know he's getting married he's getting married he talks to to dylan at the wedding and says he's actually thinking about you know not going through with it with the investors because they looked what do you say they're they're drooling over what we have you know and all this stuff and it's such a good idea microorganisms that will clean up the water and and end pollution on the planet that is a really good idea. It is. Um, so Dylan apparently is rich. This is something else that I missed somehow. Um, I, I don't know why or how he's rich. But... His dad must have had a lot of money and then his dad did him a favor and died. And I guess. Gave him a ton I, of money. I have no idea. So, But Bra- Brandon, Brandon's dad. Oh, I almost want to call him Brendan now because of you. <laughs> Brandon's and Brenda's dad manages Dylan's money. Right. That's part of what he does. See, that makes sense, too. That would be, like, some kind of trust fund, then. Yeah, and that's what he does. He man- he helps manage him, he manage investments and, and other things for for Dylan. So Dylan decides that he's going to just solo fund this thing, just all on his own, so that they don't have to include anybody else. Super smart decision, too, by the way. Because any time that there's a, a, a hot new startup company... You just fund it completely yourself with no protections in place whatsoever. Right? And, you know, Jim tries to talk him out of it. Yep. He he tries to, you know, use logic. 
And Dylan says he's taking it personally, which is ridiculous. He wasn't taking it personally at all. Um, and then Jim gets so upset with Dylan that he says he's done with him. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's going to not fired. manage his, his money anymore. Yeah, that he can go into the bank and take all his money out if he wants tomorrow. So he does this. He goes and... Um, he goes and does some kind of transfer into this other guy's account. What? It's so funny, like, because you're struggling through this because you don't really understand how this works. <laughs> yeah. He, I don't, they, obviously they didn't sign papers of incorporation, which you'd have to do to start a company in California. I know what the laws are in Michigan. I'm not sure exactly what all the laws are in California, but I can only assume because so many corporations exist in California that it's probably even more arduous of a of a task than it is here in Michigan. But they don't sign any papers as far as corporationship or a partnership or anything like that go. Basically, he uh, adds him as a signatory and you know, a person that can access the account on his account. Oh, God, that's what he did? Yes. Holy shit. That's the paper that he signed. Oh, what an idiot. Basically saying, hey, we have this gentleman's agreement between the two of us that you have this technology and I've got all this money and, you know, any funds or facility you need, you can just take out of the bank to, to fund, you know, your project, to buy a space, to hire people, to, you know, rent equipment, all this stuff that that's it's all unspoken in the episode but that seems to be the agreement between the two of them and they have no other legal protections in place that's what that's what jim walsh brandon and brenda's dad was talking about with the contingencies and and all the different things put in place all the different legal things put in place to make it so it was protected God, I didn't think Dylan was that stupid. I mean, that that's I know nothing about money, but giving someone, you know, total access to your funds is dumb. Agreed. Not the way the business is conducted. So, you know, I mean, I started getting kind of a sinking feeling at this time. Oh, I did when he started saying when he started saying that he wanted to do it alone. Yeah. That that's that's when I started to get this feeling. And um like they come out of the bank after doing this and Surprise, Geraldo Rivera's a bad guy. And they're talking about looking at, like, property. And Dylan's like, oh, hey, you know, I'll go with you. We can look together. And he's like, oh, I'll look at it. I'll let you know. And I, and then I'm like, oh, he should have, you know, had some kind of more understanding of what being a partnership was. Yep. I still didn't think he was going to screw him completely. Um, but he did. There was a twist that I did not see coming. Yeah. Because I thought it was just Geraldo Rivera. No, Erica's mom... Clear villain. ...was also in on it. Apparently, it was her idea. Yeah. She said she spent eight months setting it up. Yeah. So, I wonder if Erica's even his sister. Like, I, I really wish that I could just go back somehow and watch it all from the beginning so I could fill in these gaps. I wish there was a way. <sighs> there, there is a way. There's a couple different ways. One, it'll be on reruns during the summer. Two... I'm pretty sure it's on tape somewhere. I think you can get a tape of the show. You can get a tape of the the seasons. I'm pretty sure. My mom got tapes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. And it's filling an entire bookshelf. 
Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that they're small. That's going to be a lot of tapes. But I'm pretty sure that you can get. They're called box sets. I'm pretty sure you can get. You can get one for nine hundred two one zero. Your birthday's coming up. Maybe for your birthday, I'll get you some nine hundred two one zero tapes. Maybe during the summer, we could review some of the early episodes. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so. Not only is Erica's mom in on it, and this makes me wonder if Erica's even his sister. Right. Right. So, remember back when she said she heard them talking about moving to South America? Yeah, guess what? They're moving to fucking South America. Brazil. They said, um, they take Erica to the airport and they're telling her, oh, it's, you know, it's, we got to go there for the work and, you know, we'll come back and yep. it'll be fine. Like, she's so smart, though. She knows. She knows what's up. Well, she's... Wise beyond her years, like her face is <laughs> is old beyond her years. So she says she has to go to the bathroom, and she writes a note to Dylan. Now, this is definitely little girl thinking, and I, I don't know if this is really going to work. I'm assuming it works because it's a TV show, but... What I thought she should have done is find a security person. Right? <laughs> What's she going to tell him, though? It is her mom. I don't know. I just tell her that I, I don't feel right about this. I think they're scared. No, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, she didn't get that far in her thinking. But she wrote a note to Dylan telling him where they're going and what's going on. And, yeah. and put, whoever finds this note, please give to Dylan McKay with his address on it. Right, because the most trustworthy people in the world go to LAX airport. Right, like there's no guarantee that person that finds the note's even going to be staying in LA. Right. I mean, yeah, it was not, not the best plan, but she's a child. I assume it's going to work, though. Right. And I wonder if he'll go to South America. I think that the the beginning of next season will probably start with him and Rambo going to South America <laughs> and just cutting through a jungle as Geraldo Rivera has, uh, you know, an army of men guarding his compound. I wonder if, like, he's going to even do anything. Like, it seemed like the technology was real. I guess he was working in a lab. See, this is this brings up a whole host of questions. Right. Because he was working in a lab, so obviously, and it was a real lab, so obviously he has some sort of training in this in this area in this technology. I, I'm I'm guessing what happened was is that he tried to do this and it didn't work, and his excuse was to Dylan was that, oh, if it's not an idea from the superstars. Remember how we pointed out that, yeah, that, yeah they'd never use, uh, you know, a billion-dollar idea like that? So that probably was just bullcrap. Like, that probably was just a lie, where he, he tried this technology, it didn't actually work, and he realized that he was kind of a washout and a failure because he'd probably spent years trying to develop this technology. And this woman that, you know used to date Dylan's dad, I guess. I don't know. This con woman just uh, basically said, hey, you know, I I know what we can do to get money. Right. Let's get the money from him. And then you don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. I wonder if the wedding was even real. Like, I wonder if they were already married. Maybe. Or if they really did get married as part of their con. I mean, that seems dumb. Well, it looks like they genuinely wanted to be with each other. Right. So I bet they're already married, though. I bet. The wedding wasn't real. Could be. It was weird because their reception was just sitting in a in a restaurant. Yeah. So yeah, that was weird too. See, rushed wedding. Yep. Okay, so the final. That was no. the main. 
that I, I don't know. It's hard to say which was the A story and which was the B story. That was a big storyline, but Dylan going to Washington was or not Dylan, Brand, Brandon going to Washington was also a pretty big storyline. Right. So I'm actually I'm gonna save the the other storyline, um, and I'm gonna hop to Roy and Brenda real quick. Um, Roy just, and Brenda. Yeah. Who's Roy? The director. Oh yeah. So he. Tells, That's a very small part of this show. Yeah, but it, it it deserves some acknowledgement. So he and it's a small part, but it's also important. He is setting Brenda up to go to the Royal Academy of Arts for the summer. Right. He tells her, you know, she has a real talent. And remember, he kept saying how she needed to be formally trained. And he's also a con man. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, well, I'm sure it's already, you know, full up. And he's like, oh, I just need to make a phone call. So, I mean, seriously, she didn't sleep with him? Like, why is he doing all this for her? So. I guess he believes. See, here's the, Holly, here's the Hollywood lie. He just believes in her talent so much that he wants to help her out. Right. But he doesn't want to sleep with her, even though... But, uh, besides her teeth, she's relatively attractive. <laughs> well, and he's a hound dog. I mean, it's established. So, of course he wants to sleep with her. Well, maybe he wants to sleep with her in London. I don't know. Maybe he's thinking eventually it'll happen. Maybe. So, he um, he tells her that he can do this for her. She goes to her parents and actually tells them she's going to pay for the plane ticket herself. At first, I'm thinking this whole thing is her asking them to pay for it, but she's going to pay for it. And um, so, she's going off. And she's hanging out at the carnival with Dylan. Mm-hmm. They're on the Ferris wheel talking about how their whole relationship is like a, a Ferris wheel and going up and down and the bottom falls out and all that stuff. And um, It's a lazy metaphor. Yeah. I don't know. She ends up telling him that she loves him and asks him to give her um, some time and something to come back to. Right. So we'll see what happens there. And they make out. Yeah. Presumably they have sex. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> Brandon. Brandon goes on the red eye out to Washington. He had stayed behind to see about the baby. And, um, Claire is there. Surprise. Yeah. With her dad. So, like, her dad knew she was coming. Yeah. At first it kind of seems like she did it on her own, but dad she's, knows she's there. She's looking for Eastern colleges. Right. She's such a... Ugh. She has an interesting nose. It's not exactly bad, Mm -hmm. but it's a weird, like, little upturned nose. I guess. She's a little upturned nose. I don't know. I I don't have a problem with her nose. Okay. (laughs) Um, Lucinda is also there. Yeah. And... No explanation why. She's just also there at the conference. No, there was some kind of explanation. It was just dumb. It didn't stand out. It wasn't exciting. Yeah. So Brandon's eyes are just darting back and forth between the two of them. He's looking terrified as well he should. Uh, he comes back to his room at some point and finds Claire in his shower. Mm-hmm. How'd you get in here? I have my ways. This this comes up a few times. I have my ways. I'm sorry. Do do pretty women just get whatever they want in life? Like, you you would know. No no I would not. Um and he finally just says to her, "All right, I give up." And he says, be here when I come back. And he's going down to make his big speech. Right. And it, they kiss. Yeah. It kind of breaks my heart a little bit when I'm seeing this because I'm thinking, no, don't don't give in to her crazy ass. But um, then Lucinda. Well, like I said, that's what it takes. Three weeks of constant stalking. Right. That's 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 how you break down a guy. All the, all the girls out there that want to get with a guy, just stalk him for three months. <laughs> um. 
Lucida is in the elevator with him and the Chancellor. And some And dude. some other guy, yeah. Extra uh, for the week. On the way up and uh, says she's going up to a friend's room. Right. I knew right then what she meant. Oh, yeah. Um, She's like, what room are you? What floor are you on? So, yeah, um, Chancellor's asking Brandon if he's seen his daughter, and can you tell her I'm looking for her, basically, and he knows where she is. Yeah. And then Lucinda follows him off the elevator, and he just introduces the girls to each other. Like, Yeah, he says, no, I've got, I'm have got. i not going to do anything. I've got somebody waiting for me. Right. She goes, you're serious, aren't you? Knocks on the door, and Claire answers. Yeah, so he's just like, hey, Claire, Lucinda, Lucinda, Claire. And then Claire invites Lucinda to dinner. Yeah. It's weird. So weird. The whole thing's weird. And then Brandon is sitting between the two of them at the table with Chancellor and a bunch of other, you know, guys. And both the women are rubbing his leg under the table. Yeah. Yeah. And um, at the end, both women... Oh, wait a second. You're hmm. skipping tons of stuff. What am I skipping? At the end of what? The end of the episode? The end women? of dinner. Okay, go ahead. At the end of dinner... Both women separately say to Brandon, leave your door unlocked. I'll be up in a minute. Right. So we're like, oh my gosh, they're going to have a threesome. Mm -hmm. But he ends up going to the desk clerk and asking for a room change. Yeah, so he gets a new room. (laughs) Um, And in the meantime, Kelly has decided that she wants to be with Brandon, which, you know, we had mentioned it seemed like they were a little bit flirty. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of makes sense. And and she talks to Andrea, and Andrea says that, you know, Brandon's crazy about her, too. And and so she kind of gives her blessing for her to go after him. So Kelly goes out to Washington on a plane. Like, yeah. It's so nice to just be able to fly wherever you want in the world right. at a drop of a hat. <laughs> They're all made of money. Um, And somehow she manages to find his room. Yeah, she says I have my ways. Right. Yeah, they all they all just find him. However, that's just the that's just the scriptwriter's get out of jail free card. Right. Wait, how did she figure out which room he was in? Just just let her say she has her ways. Because you'd think that he'd have to have like said, "Don't tell anybody where I am," because otherwise the other two would have shown up. Yeah. Well, his her ways is the scriptwriter told her where he was at. Right. So she shows up with um, room service breakfast. And they go sightseeing, and then they end up, you know, in bed together. They're going to be a couple now, and I think that's cool. I think they'll they'll be good together. We'll see. Um, the other the the two women apparently have sex with each other. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, it's I, sort of implied, I guess. I don't think they really did though. Well, they said so. What happened was, is they're at the desk, they're looking for him, and. The guy's like at the desk says, I don't know where he is, basically. And they turn and they see him walking out with Kelly and they're like, oh, you know, we've been had. And and she's like, oh, no, you know, we'll Celeste says we'll we'll get him or she says something like. I don't know. She says something that sort of implies that they're going to try to ruin this for him. And she says, you know, have you had breakfast yet? So they go to breakfast together and it never comes up again in the rest of the episode. Yeah. So it could be read a couple different ways. It could be read like they they're planning to do something to get back at him, or I guess it could be read that they're just going off together now. So I don't know. I I really think that um, maybe they're just bonding over the fact that they both like him so much. 
I guess. I don't know. I guess Brandon is an attractive guy because he's got three women coming after him. He is. I mean, he is attractive. He's not that attractive. But... So that is the... Three women have never chased me. That's all I'll say. <laughs> that is the season finale of 90210. Yeah. So we will recap next season when we uh, when we go back and find out what happens with the baby and what happens with the relationships all that stuff. Did you find it a satisfying uh, closure to the season? Sure. Yeah. I think it I think they did a, a decent job. Me for too. A show I only care about because we do this show. <laughs> so this week we saw a film which is a departure for us. Normally we see a movie. But we saw a film this week. Okie dokie. And that film was the movie Maverick. It was really good. Starring Mel Gibson and uh, Jodeth Foster. Jodeth? I think that's Jody is short for Jodeth, right? No. Have you ever really heard of anybody called Jodeth? What's it short for then? Nothing. Well, no one just names their kid Jody. Sure they do. I think it's short for Jodeth. Anyway, so she's okay, in it. Marcus. Yeah, but that but Mark is a normal short name. So is Jody. I think you're I think you're off base here. Okay. Carolyn. Don't ever call me that. I will cut you. <laughs> my middle initial is L. My whole life everybody calls me Carolyn and Caroline and Carolina. No, it's Carol Lucretia. Carolina? Yes. <laughs> People just assume. They make all kinds of assumptions about that L. Carolina is an interesting... An inter- so they think your name is Carol Lina? They, like your middle name is Lina? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that was only one weirdo, but... Okay. Carolyn all the time. Alright. Carol Lynn. I get it. But, but it's but not. not. Car- but not Carolyn. Right. Carolyn is one is a one name... A one word name. Right. My, my aunt, who I'm named after... Her name is Carol Lynn. Like, her middle name is Lynn. That is not my middle name. You know what's funny is my brother dated this girl whose name was Kimber. And her middle name was Lee. (laughs) Kimber Lee. I like that. And her last name, ironically, was Phillips. Same. So, if, you know, they got married, she doesn't have to change her name. Anyway, so on to the movie. This has been Massive Names. (laughs) On to the movie. Uh, so, if you haven't seen Maverick, turn this tape off and go see Maverick, and then turn the tape back on, because I don't want to. I don't want anything spoiled for anybody. Right. But it is a very. It's a very good movie. It's a comedy western, very cute, and Mel Gibson is just the. Is he the most charming actor? In Hollywood right now? Uh, no. Well, who is? I don't know, but I wouldn't say he's the most charming. Oh, he's got charm to spare. I mean, he's a he's a nice looking guy for sure. I'm not and... talking about his looks. I know you think he's hot, <laughs> but I'm talking about his charm, his personality. Yeah. He he carries off this movie because of how charming he is. Okay, I'll give it to you. I think he's the most charming actor in Hollywood right now. Okay. And one of the most well-liked. And I think, you know, for years and years to come, that'll be the case. 
yeah. think he's got a long, long, long career. I guess it's hard to imagine him doing anything to really upset people, yeah. Yeah. So, he stars in this movie as Brett Maverick. This is a remake, or... I don't know exactly what you want to call it, but it's... I mean, we find out that it's... I don't want to spoil anything. We find out it's something else later. But it's a remake of a TV show. Those are... Obviously, those are popular now. James Garner was Maverick in the 1960s Western program, Black and White, back in the... But, you know, when, when my dad... My dad watched that show. And this is a new Maverick. Yeah. And the whole plot of the movie is that he's trying to get to St. Louis to play in this big poker game. A $25,000 entrance poker game. Which, by the way, at the time that this takes place, this is... They don't give an exact year, but it's got to be around like 1880, 1870, 1890. It seems like it's after the Civil War but it's still sort of in that Old West era. So around there, before the turn of the century. And they've got a $25,000 entrance. Yeah, that is an insane amount of money. Right now, or starting very soon, is the World Series of Poker, which I know most of you probably don't know what that is. There's a form of poker called Texas Hold'em. You get two cards, five cards get dealt on the table that everyone can use. I'm not going to go into all the rules. I know no one knows what I'm talking about. Why I'm talking about Texas Hold'em, but I'm kind of a poker nerd. Anyway, that's the game that they use to determine the world champion every year. And every year in Las Vegas at Benson's Horseshoe Casino, they hold this World Series of Poker. Uh, Last year, I think Jim Bechtel won last year. There's, I, I know you guys don't know who that is. There's a bunch of like, there's a bunch of legendary names: Johnny Chan, Phil Hellmuth. I, I won't, I won't go into it. But there's a bunch of you. If you, if you read, if you get the little magazines and stuff like that, and you kind of keep up on it, you know what I'm talking about as far as poker goes. Yeah, we don't. Anyway, they have a championship every year. That championship is a ten thousand dollar buy-in event, which is a lot of money. But not twenty five thousand dollars, and that's in nineteen ninety four dollars. Right. This year, actually, it's the twenty fifth anniversary, so the winner is going to win a million dollars plus their weight in silver. What? So if a really fat guy wins, that's so bizarre. Yeah, they're gonna weigh them, and then they get that that weight in silver. Weird. Could you imagine though? Like, say, let's say like a three hundred pound guy wins, it, or a two hundred and fifty pound guy. That's a lot of silver. Yeah. Where are they getting this silver? They just have it hanging around? like. I'm sure that they're... They just bu- cut off a couple hundred pounds from this big silver block. like. What? <laughs> they're buying it. <laughs> they're a casino. They got millions and millions of dollars. So they're just going to buy it. I would rather have my weight in dollars. Hmm. That's an, Even if they were dollar bills. Yeah. That's interesting. Would, cause, because dollar bills weigh so much less, Yeah. would your weight in dollars be more than your weight in silver, money-wise? I don't know. I think it'd be kind of close. Because silver goes for a lot. And the thing with silver is the prices will go up and down. So you could hold that. I don't know what silver trades for right now. I guess I should have looked it up. <laughs> but I don't know what pure silver trades for right now. 
But if you hold on to it for a number of years, it'll be worth much more. And obviously dollars don't do that. Dollars usually just go down in value. Where would you even look that up? Like the pawn shops? Like where, where would you find that out? Uh, I suppose you could look that up in the pawn shops. Also, I think there are some like pawn dealers that buy gold and silver. I think there's trade magazines oh. that come out that, that tell them what the price are and they might be updated weekly or, or, or whatever. You can also, if you look in the newspaper, it'll say in the newspaper on a daily basis. Really? Yeah, because gold and silver are traded on the stock exchange. They're 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 considered commodities. Interesting. So you can look up every day what it's trading for in the newspaper. Maybe maybe we should get some. Yeah, it's not bad not a big, gold and silver aren't, aren't bad investments. Yeah. I'll go out and buy uh 20 pounds of, of, of <laughs> silver and we'll see if it goes up in value. Okay. I don't know how much it's, it, you know, significant you have to, what you have to put in, but gold and silver usually do. Like I said, it fluctuates. It goes up and down depending on different factors, but usually it, it kind of, you know, it does the little dippy dip thing, but it usually still trends up all the time because you always need gold and silver. Plus, you know, I have to imagine with some of this technology, with this internet thing and, and all these computer type stuff, some of those metals, I'm sure, are components in wires or in the internal workings of it. And if that gets more and more popular, I'll bet you that the prices go up because they'll be needed more for for non-precious metal, like non-jewelry type things. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, so yeah, maybe we should invest in some of that. So, it's weird to me. That it's twenty five thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. I don't know how many they, they a number of people get that buy in amount, but I don't know where they're getting it from. So he's three thousand dollars short. So his whole thing is he wants to get three thousand dollars. And throughout the movie, we kind of you know we get to know him a little bit better. We get to see him playing poker. And when we first see him, he goes down and plays this game and says. You know, they don't want him to sit in and he says, hey, I'll lose for the first hour of the of the game. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, come in come in and play. Then. So for the first hour, he loses. But the whole time he's looking for tells. He's looking for little little unconscious motions that people make with their faces or bodies or hands that belie the strength or weakness of their of their cards. And that's, he's gathering all that information while he's losing for this hour. And then he starts to clean up. Then he starts to, to beat them all as he figures out their tells. And we get, it's funny because I like, one of the things I like about what this movie does is it gives us little bits of his character and little foreshadowing thing, you know, bits for later in the movie in fun ways. Right. Instead of just coming out and saying it. The writers actually concoct fun scenes to get this point across. Like, for instance, at this poker game, there's this guy that says he beats him in a pot and he says that shouldn't count. Mm -hmm. He's like, what do you mean that shouldn't count? He goes, my mind wasn't on the game. And he's like, oh, okay. I don't think, you know, he's all confused by this. And he says, he says what his name is, I think. I think that's the first thing he says. And... Maverick drops his chips yeah. <laughs> and all nervous and stuff. And he says, what's your profession? And he goes, I'm a gunfighter. Which I don't know. I don't know how that's your profession. I know there were people that were gunfighters throughout the Old West. 
but I don't know how they, you make a living doing that. Right. I mean, I guess maybe collecting bounties or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, so he basically says, oh, you know, yeah, you can have this money back then. And they all call him a coward, which is like one of the worst things you can be called back then. They all call him a coward and everything. And he says, yeah, you know, I'm a coward. I think bravery is overrated <laughs> and all this stuff. And and he says, you know, he kind of stands up to elucidate his point And the gunfighter backs up and starts standing up to and he's like, whoa, 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 calm down, man. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to expound on, on what I'm saying. I just don't think that, that bravery is all it's cracked up to be and everything. He's like, you know, for instance, you're a gunfighter and, and obviously a very good one because you're still alive. So, uh, you know, what kind of chance would I have if I started fighting you? And then he pulls his gun out and it's incredibly fast. Yeah. It's like before the guy can even get his hand on his gun. That's he's, a pretty cool scene. He's got his gun out. So it shows that there's a lot underneath his surface. It shows that he is adept with a gun and everything. And then, uh, so it goes on. The one guy, Angel, is his name. That's the uh, the guy played by uh, Alfred Molina, the, okay. ma- the main bad, bad guy. guy. Yeah. He thinks that Maverick's been cheating, so he wants to beat the crap out of him or kill him or whatever. And these four guys come up and they say, hey, you know, we want him. And they drag him out there. And he fights them all off, like fist fights them. So Angel's completely intimidated by him at this point. That's kind of funny. And we find out later that he paid those guys to well, and, take a and, fall. You know, you're forgetting how the movie started. Because the movie actually starts with him being hung. Yeah. He's on, you know, a horse. And Angel is the one hanging him. Yeah. Angel hangs him, and he's yeah he's sitting on his horse in the noose. So it, it makes it even more interesting to see him being afraid yeah. of Maverick, because you know that eventually he's going to be in that position of power over him. Right. So we see Jodie Foster. Uh, she's at the table as well. We get to meet her character. She's sort of a con artist. It becomes uh, very clear that she's a thief yep. and a con artist, but she wants to get into this poker game. As well, everyone wants to get into this poker game for some reason. I sure as hell wouldn't spend $25,000 on a poker game. That's so much money, especially back then. Yeah. There is one thing that I, that the one complaint I have about this movie is that he pays the guys the money that he owes them for taking a fall. And he says, he says to them, you know, keep it under your hat. News travels fast in the old West. (laughs) He, He actually says that line. And I, I've said to you after we watched the movie, who who would say that? Right. It's the time they're living in. It's like, it would be like me saying, uh, you know, oh, back in old 1994. Right. You know, like living in it right now. It doesn't make any sense for him to say the Old West. I'm sure they didn't call it the Old West yeah. back when the Old West was actually happening. Oh, I'm sure. So that was a little ridiculous. But the rest of the movie is fantastic. It and is. It's very good. Very well filmed. Very well acted. It's very funny. Uh, I won't. We're going a little long, so I'm not going to get into all the specific plot details of the film. Just go see the movie and and see what you think about it. But it is definitely a high recommend for me. Oh yeah. What were What were some of your favorite parts of the movie? I guess we'll, we'll, we can do that before we go for the day. I like the banter um, between his character and Jodie Foster's character and James Garner too. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, just a lot of good chemistry there. 
Especially, like, I like when he pulls that gun out and she's looking at one of the other guys at the table and goes, was that fast? I think that was fast. You know? <laughs> she's, she's hilarious. And, um, you know, she keeps stealing his wallet and there's all this sexual tension between them. I just, I just really enjoyed watching them together. Yeah, they're very, they're very good together on screen, I think. How about you? What was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part was probably... Hmm, that's tough. I think... I liked a lot of the interplay between James Garner, who's in this movie, who plays a character named Coop in this film, and and Mel Gibson. I think that they, I think they are very good together, both of them. Yeah. And James Garner, like I said before, was Maverick in the TV show. I guess, like I said, if you haven't seen it yet, don't you know? Don't listen to this part. Just skip the rest of... Well, let's go to the blockbuster pick of the week if uh, if you haven't seen the movie. But we find out later, and it's foreshadowed really nicely throughout the movie, mm-hmm. that James Garner is actually Mel Gibson's dad. Yeah. So he is the original Maverick from the TV show, and now he's older and this is his child. So this is actually a continuation of the TV yeah. show, as opposed to being a complete remake of the TV show. Which I thought was sort of a, a cool twist. I'm sure, especially people like you know your dad's age and stuff would really enjoy that. People yeah, who watched the show when it was on TV. Yeah, I think that I think that that was that was kind of a cool a cool little twist. Yeah. But definitely, it's a very good movie. I would I would go see it if I were you. There, I don't really have any big complaints about it. Do you? No. Yeah, it's just a really solid comedy film. Very well acted, very well directed, and it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. There's not much more to say about it other than other than it's a fun movie. You'll, yeah. you'll very much enjoy Go it. Go see it. So we will end this episode as we end every episode with our blockbuster pick of the week. Carol, I'm going to give you a list okay? because I didn't really go over this before. But uh, coming out this week at Blockbuster is uh, Ghost in the Machine. I don't know if you've heard of that. Nope. RoboCop 3. I've, I've heard of it. The Piano, which was uh, Oscar-nominated at this year's Oscar ceremony. And the film Rudy. I'm going to talk about Rudy. Well, I'll tell you what. My, my pick that we will rent and watch this week, because I haven't seen any of them, is The Piano. Okay. But yeah. I have not seen it. The Piano's a, the piano's a solid film. Uh, and we, we, can, we can watch that. So no one else rent the piano if yeah. you live if Leave you live by us dirty hands off but rudy fantastic movie you, you've never seen rudy have never you? seen it okay never so heard of it. it's a true you never heard of it wow no i it, mean okay i'm aware it's out but it's a true story about a a guy who you know real short real skinny but he his dream is to be a notre dame football player for uh, you know the University of Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. Okay. So it's about his struggles with academics at first because he doesn't have the grades to even get into Notre Dame, let alone try to get on the football team. So he goes to a junior college first, gets his grades up so that he can go to Notre Dame, and then he wants to be on the football team. He tries out for the football team, and he's got all this heart. He's got all this desire and everything, but he doesn't have the physical skills. Mm-hmm. So... They don't let him on the team at first. They let him on the practice squad. And he practices practices against everybody. And he's killing people in practice because he's just going way harder 
than anyone else because he wants this more than anything in the world. He wants to suit up and play a game for Notre Dame. The, you know, this is his, he's loved Notre Dame his whole life. This is his life's ambition, basically. Okay. And it goes into a lot about his family, where he comes from, his home life, things like that. It It's a very... It's a very like touching. I would call it like a drama. It's a sports drama. I think you would like it because it's not all about sports. There's there's obviously the sports element to it, but it's more about him and his life and the relationships he makes and things like that along the way. And I think that's that's the that's the crux of the movie. I think okay. that's the part you would respond <clears throat> to. Well, we can rent that one too if you want. But in the end, he does end up getting in a game. And he makes a tackle in the game. Now, that didn't happen in real life. He did play one game in in actual life. But it was a, like a nothing play towards the end of, of one of the bowl games. And he didn't, he didn't make any kind of plays or anything like that. But he did in real life get actually get into a game. He, he, the coach before told him that he would start one game next, next season. That, okay. he, that he put him in a game next season. And so he was all happy about that. Mm-hmm. And then the coach got fired and a new coach gets brought in. Aww. Which also happened in real life. Era Parsesian gets hired as the as the coach. And he's like, oh, you know, we're not putting you in a game. You know, basically. Because he doesn't know this kid's story or anything about it. So the last game of the season, he's not on the list to get in. This is the big dramatic scene in the movie it's like this will make men cry a lot of these scenes a lot of times one by one all the guys that were that are on the team that you know they like they come came to some of them hated him at first because he made him look bad in practice some of them liked him right away but they all came to respect him and stuff one by one they all come into the coach's office and they lay their jerseys down on, on his desk and they're like give rudy my number all of them on the team so it's a it's a it's a great scene like great dramatic scene it's a really good movie if uh if you haven't seen it i just ruined it for you but check it out <laughs> and if you have seen it you know it's 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 available at blockbuster coming this week and you're definitely going to want to get in on that one robocop 3 is fine it's very very silly it's a much sillier version of robocop so i would hate it yeah you wouldn't like it at all but it's, it's fine if you're into that. Uh, Ghost of the Machine I haven't seen. And The Piano I saw a, a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago, but it's back back when it was coming out for Oscars. Okay. You know, so it's been almost a year, I guess, since since I've seen it. So I don't remember a ton about it. We can definitely rent it. But I remember it was, it's Merchant Ivory-like and it's filmed nicely. It's a nicely directed film, I suppose. Okay. But yeah, so we will rent that. That has been our show for the week. Thank you for listening. Ha- have a good week, and don't forget to uh, drop us a note, especially uh, personal ads. We'll that's, enjoy that. That's right. And uh, yeah, so do all the things that you need to do to make this show successful with us. Happy Memorial Day next week, guys. Yeah, and uh, happy birthday to Carol. Yes. Yeah, that's I right. guess I guess we won't. We won't record another one of these before your birthday, will we? No. All right. So happy birthday to Carol. (laughs) Love you, babe. Love you, too. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Bye. Bye.